Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sam Says, a podcast brought to you by the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, otherwise known as I'm Hip. I'm DeRondel Beverly, and joining me as always is the Sam in Sam Says, Samantha Olds Fry, the Chief Executive Officer of I'm Hip. Sam, it's good to see you again. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, DeRondel? Doing well, just getting myself ready for winter, just like everyone else. Uh, we have another wonderful episode today with uh, some guests who have joined us previously. And uh, the last conversation with food insecurity was, uh, was a delightful one. So we're looking forward to this trio joining us again to talk to us about a similar uh, emerging issue and trend that, uh, that we want to make sure folks know about. Uh, today, again, we have Annette Morrison, the Senior Information Specialist and Caregiver Advisor Supervisor at CCSI Care Coordination, LLC. Marsha Johnson, the Director of CCU Services for CCSI Care Coordination, LLC, and Jessica Grabowski, the Executive Director of Coordinated Care Alliance. All welcome back to Sam Stez. How are you all? Thank you. Good. Good. Good, good, Great. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We appreciate you being back. And Sam, I think this is the first time where we've had repeat guests. I think so, especially a trio. Especially this is our first trio, and I think our first repeat. All right, all right. So before we jump into it, we are now entering the cold season. So I have to ask all of you, 2020 was a year that wasn't. We weren't able to go to beaches and things like we were to, to do that, but perhaps we're looking forward to cold weather activities. So I ask each of you, and Jessica, this time I'm going to start with you, What's cold weather activity that you are looking forward to or that you rely on to get you through the cold weather season? So I'm blessed to have a electric uh, fireplace at my house in my apartment. And so my favorite is to just be on the couch, take a nice uh, blanket and just put on the fireplace and hang out. <laughs> All right, wonderful, wonderful. Marsha, how about you? I think I do the same thing. I like to sit in my chair with the fireplace on and read a good book or binge a favorite story on Netflix. All right. And Annette? Honestly, the cold weather is not a lot different than warm weather for me. I'm a crafter, so I put my book and my headphones on and I sit and do my creative thing. So I do that in the winter as well. All right. Sam, how about you? So I'm trying to get into hiking when it's cold. That is what I'm, I hike, you know, spring, fall, summer, love hiking. I'm trying to just manage it in the winter as well. Okay. And I have nieces and nephews who are about 15 minutes away from us who are nine, six, and five and they love to go sledding. And so they always ask me to go sledding in previous years. I've always told them no, but this year I will say yes to the sledding because it will get me out of the house and helps me connect with my niece and nephews. So that is going to be the winter activity that I'm looking forward to. And this is a, 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 an interesting topic because as we head into the winter season and as COVID-19 still is uh, very much impacts our lives, today's topic, we're going to be talking about social isolation and loneliness. So Jessica, starting with you, uh, what is social isolation and loneliness and, and why should providers and healthcare plans or health plans rather care about social isolation and its impact? Definitely. 
Social isolation refers um, just to lack of social connectivity and having few relationships or infrequent social contact. Um, so mental health, physical health, and societal factors all play a role in social isolation. Um, so for example, you live in a high rise, um, there are people everywhere, but maybe you can't get out of bed, so you could be socially isolated. Uh, lonely, loneliness actually, on the other hand, is more of the emotional state. Um, so you could have a lot of connection with folks, but you could still be lonely, or you could always be by somebody, but you could still be lonely. So for example, um, during the height of the pandemic, I was always with my significant other, but I was still lonely because I didn't have all of the meaning meaningful connections that um, I had prior to COVID. Uh, per uh, AARP, one in three U.S. adults, uh, 45 and older, are lonely. And the Centers for Disease Control recognize the link between social isolation and serious health consequences like uh, premature death, stroke, heart disease, and dementia. Um, and they're saying that it could be as detrimental as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So definitely a lot of um, health consequences uh, related to social isolation and loneliness. Wow, Jessica. So obviously, I think we think of social isolation and loneliness as an impact on mental health. Um, and potentially it brings about depression or, you know, being lonely is obviously never a positive. I, I didn't realize that level of impact on physical health as well. What? Yep. It is a, and I imagine COVID has only exacerbated all of this. Much like when we talked about food insecurity, older adults were already experiencing social isolation, um, perhaps due to transportation or, you know, there are already some barriers, but now much broader swaths of the public are, are dealing with social isolation um, and loneliness uh, because of the pandemic. Is that is that right? Definitely, definitely. And what are barriers to sort of solving this problem um, that, that you all see? Yeah, um, well, in general, it's not necessarily something you could easily recognize. Sometimes, obviously, you see that one older adult living at home alone, so that you could uh, recognize. However, that emotional state loneliness um, is more difficult to recognize because somebody could be around a lot of people and lonely, or you could be around nobody, but not lonely because that's just, you know, your personality. So first um, recognizing it, screening for this is number one. Um, the second um, are just the very many, the different reasons and circumstances that cause someone to be socially isolated. And those are difficult to address. Um, and really who, who's in charge of that? Who is the person to address that? I think that's one of the most critical pieces. Um, is it the health plan? Is it uh, the community? Is it um, the state? Who is going to be um, addressing these concerns? Um, but once again, the concerns and reasons why somebody could be socially isolated are, are varying uh, based on the person. So it could be an individual life circumstances, a circumstance like retiring or losing a partner. 
Um, it could be health factors such as mobility. Uh, there are community level factors such as inadequate transportation, um, societal factors. Um, for example, research shows that LGBTQ older adults are considerably higher, at a considerably higher risk of being socially isolated. And lastly, person-centered. Uh, the reasons why someone could be lonely um, are really based on that individual. So I, I recall this um, individual who is retired um, came to me when I was working at a community center and said, I'm feeling very lonely. I just retired and I don't have meaning um, to my life. And he said he went to this library, the nearby library, to get connected, to be able to volunteer, to give back, to really have a meaning um, in his day-to-day -day life. And they said that, well, he could go and scan these books um, for the hospital. Well, this person was a very successful individual that um, for his entire life, he was doing things that, you know, used his brain to the maximum capacity. Um, I believe he was an accountant or something along those lines. And that to him was not meaningful. And so that did not create um, some uh, an activity that would reduce his isolation. So really uh, understand the person and what that person needs um, to not be socially isolated. It's such a a good point, Jessica, um, recognizing that it's it's just not a one size fits all uh, solution and just putting somebody, you know, around other people or sort of giving somebody an activity to do, um, you know, might not really address it. Um, what is happening in Illinois specifically, and maybe Marcia and Annette might be a better fit to answer this, um, to combat social isolation? Well, the initiatives statewide to reduce social isolation are including funding to area providers such as the case coordination units, the, the senior centers, the area agency on aging. They're targeting specific activities to for the English as a second language or Alzheimer and related disorders in their caregivers, because a lot of times caregivers are isolated. The only person that they have to talk to is their care receiver. And, and like Jessica said, it's, it's not the same person. You, you want some human tech, human contact with other people. So um, we're trying to do some outreach to, link people to different programs and services that that help them financially and socially. And that in the spring, the Illinois Department on Aging and the Department of Healthcare and Family Services came out with the Illinois Care Connections Grant that helped send out technology to some of the seniors so that they can connect through Zoom and other types of internet programs. Well, that, Marcia, is so helpful to know because I would imagine, especially in, in the environment in which we are now in with the pandemic, one of the barriers for the senior population was that they probably, they may not have had the technology at home to connect, to sort of use the technology um, that we now all rely on even more than we did before. Right, and the technology is a big challenge. I mean, having the hardware, the internet, and in the rural areas, sometimes there isn't an infrastructure there to manage like the Zoom platform or they don't have good internet connections. And so we're working through that. 
and then making sure that if they do have any cognitive issues that we're able to help them even get on to the Zoom meetings or, or to participate. Right. And my understanding is that CCA has a pilot um, that they're targeting uh, social isolation with community care systems. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, definitely. One of the biggest things that we've seen is um, social isolation is a problem. Uh, we, we know the health risks, health risks, sorry. Um, but we also are finding that each we don't know the impact of programs and how they reduce social isolation. So we specifically um, have piloted this program. It's a six-month program to reduce social isolation through assessment, comprehensive high-touch coordination, and connection to local and national supports that will um, connect them to the appropriate either Zoom uh, programs that they're interested in or um, daily reassurance calls or what have you. But based off of this, taking this evidence-based screener and screening folks um, using this USARS, which is the Upstream Social Isolation Risk Screener, as well as the PHQ-9, um, to see how working, how when we work with these folks for six months, how does their social isolation and risk decrease over time? I don't think there's an, enough evidence out there um, that really looks at this. So we're specifically taking a data-driven uh, approach to our social isolation program. I think that's great because I agree with you, Jessica. I don't know that there's enough data in this and to really demonstrate what programs work, what programs have been able to tackle this complex issue. And Annette, I wanna I wanna turn to you because this can just feel sort of overwhelming, I think, to hear the impact of social isolation and loneliness and um, how widespread it is, but how can we get folks connected? to programming and to support if they're experiencing um, social isolation or loneliness, or if we think um, that perhaps somebody um, is experiencing that. How, how do we get them connected to services? Well, because it's not in the past really been a recognized problem and really the COVID epidemic has made it all come to the top, float to the surface. Um, again, we're, we're hoping for that no wrong door policy that any agency that gets um, a hint or a whiff of a senior or someone who is isolated and just um, needs to talk or um, needs in-home services or more supports, um, whether it be financially or socially or um, emotionally in any way, that they, they get referred to um, a social service agency that then can, can of course, take them to the right source. Um, CCSI um, has, we have many programs that can address social, social isolation and every county has similar programs. It's just knowing where those resources are. And a lot of seniors say, well, we, we never heard of this before. How do you, how do you figure this stuff out? Um, we're trying to do much more advertising about it get the information out there on social media. A lot of times it'll get disseminated through the children of the older adult who needs the information. Um, and we, we just try every way we can. And we do get a lot of word of mouth from other seniors that you know have been directed to us and we help them in one way or another. And they say, you know what, I'm not sure, but call, 
call community care systems and, you know, we'll, we'll try to help you out the best we can. Right. I, I could not agree more in that the area agencies on aging and the CCUs um, do amazing work to serve our senior population, our older adults. Um, and there are a lot of programs, like you said, that are out there that, that are there for seniors. I mean, it's really just connecting them um, to those resources. So before we wrap, one of the things that we always like to ask guests on the show is, you know, we appreciate the in-depth uh, kind of analysis and, and engagement on the topic for where we are. But we also like to get a sense of where it's heading and, and how our, our listeners can can and should be thinking about where this topic is heading and, and perhaps where uh, resources should be allocated or just kind of forecasting trends based on what you see now. So I'd ask you each, um, if you can, to just give a, a kind of final word on where you see as we head into 21 looking at a brighter day with, with, uh, with, with vaccination and on the other side of this, of this cold weather, um, how, how, how can we address this topic or what should our listeners be thinking about as we move on into 21 and beyond? We'll start with Marsha. Well, I, I think we need to continue with the programs that we're doing and not just stop once we can get back out into the community to stop the virtual programming because there are many adults who are truly homebound and wouldn't have ever been able to go to the senior center to participate in things such as bingo size or, or Tai Chi or matter of balance. And now we're able to do these programs virtually or through the internet. And so those homebound are able to continue. So I think that's a plus side. I think we've learned to adapt and it's helped us be more inclusive. Great, Annette? Yeah, so just an example of what Marsha was saying is that that Illinois Care Connections um, technology grant, we referred many seniors to that and some of them received iPads. But my last two referrals um, are on hold <laughs> that I've received because um, the, the funding for that program that was originally slated to go through to September 2021 ran out um, early December. So, you know, that program where we're supplying the technology to the seniors who can't afford to purchase it for themselves, obviously the, the need for it um, is much higher than the funding was the, that, that, that was available for it. So that, again, is a fantastic um, way that we could continue to access all the virtual programs for those seniors who, even though COVID might go away or at least calm down a little so they can get out, those seniors that still um, physically are limited to staying at home, they can still access those programs. Okay. And Jessica, final words yours. Yeah, I agree. Um, tech is here to stay, and, and that's for sure. And it has allowed us um, to be innovative and provide more person-centered resources. I do think the one challenge is, is that there's so much out there. How can we synthesize? How can we put this in a package where folks can find it? Because there are now local, county, um, community-specific re, uh, resources. There's state resources. You could connect with um, a program that's being offered in California now because of technology, which is great, but how are we getting this information out there? And unfortunately, what I'm seeing is that it's getting circulated with the folks that are already connected, but how do we reach those that aren't connected? Okay. 
All right. Thank you much. We're going to leave it there. Special thank you to Jessica Grubowski, Marsha Johnson, and Annette Morrison for joining us again and taking the time to join us to talk about this very important topic of social isolation and loneliness. Uh, Sam, anything that uh, kind of struck you or, or is going to inspire some, some additional thought or research on your end from the topic today? I'm still just struck by the, the physical impact um, of social isolation and loneliness. I think always think of it on the mental health side, but just the physical impact and what that means um, and how we can collectively combat it. Yeah, and I think uh, the impact of being able to roll out the technology in rural areas, but not having the infrastructure to be able to support it and thinking about how we can do a better job of, of providing or creating the technological services and resources uh, down in those areas to make sure that folks who have the technology can actually use it because if this is going to continue to be an issue, especially for those folks, I think as Marcia said earlier, who are, who are going to continue to be homebound, they need to have the infrastructure to be able to support those services. Exactly. And that's something we see on the telehealth side too. I mean, it's something that'll need to be tackled because um, I don't think telehealth's going away. I think social isolation isn't going away regardless of COVID. It's something we need to really work on and address. And these are topics that we will continue to uh, take a look at as we end 20 and, and head into 21. If you have enjoyed this episode of Sam Says, we encourage you to visit our website, imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what we're doing at the association and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. We also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if you are interested in becoming a trusted partner like Coordinated Care Alliance, I encourage you to reach out to I'm HIP's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or again, visit the website, imhip.net. Thank you again to our special guests, Jessica, Annette, and Marsha. Sam, it's always good seeing you as, uh, as always. And uh, if you, um, I hope that as you take these ideas, for the winter activities. When I see you the next time, I want to see if you've incorporated some of these ideas that our guests have shared uh, for the for the winter activities. So uh, thank you again for listening. Please stay safe, please stay healthy, and we'll talk to you again soon.